Uh, If you have been here the last few weeks of Advent, uh, the sermon series has been about Christmas thieves, those things that rob us of joy and peace and hope in this uh, supposed to be festive and worshipful season. Uh, We talked, first of all, about the thief of busyness, how we can just stay occupied with activities and uh, not really be connected spiritually. Last week, we talked about the thief of shallowness, how we can check in at church, go through the motions, and uh, just be sort of uh, on the surface and not really going down deep into a, a connection with God through His Spirit. This morning, we're going to think together about the thief of loneliness, how loneliness can rob us uh, of the joy that is intended for this very, very special time of year. And the reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse 39 to, to bring you into the context. Mary has just discovered that she is expecting a baby by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she's sort of reeling from that experience. And we take up the story in Luke Chapter 1, verse 39. Mary didn't waste a minute. She got up and traveled to a town in Judah in the hill country, straight to Zechariah's house, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and sang out exuberantly, You're so blessed among women, and the babe in your womb also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Loneliness declared by one person to be the great American disease, the disease of loneliness. Uh, It's sort of ironic that in an age of social media where everybody's connected, loneliness is perhaps greater than ever before. And we might say that people are lonely despite social media, but we might even say people are lonely because of social media, because People think that it substitutes for real relationships. Loneliness is everywhere. The 90-year-old sitting in a care facility wondering when anybody will come by. The 15-year-old sitting in her bedroom absolutely certain that nobody understands her and ever will. The person in prison whose tomorrow will be just like today, and today was just like yesterday, and nothing to look forward to. Or the person uh, in a financial prison, tied up and consumed with payday loans, with nothing to look forward to in the Christmas season. Loneliness is everywhere. You can be lonely in a crowd. Loneliness is not the absence of people, it's the absence of meaningful connections. And you surely know that loneliness is is its most stark and painful during holidays. Uh, What is for most people a very festive season of family gatherings 
can be for others deeply painful. The first Christmas after the death of a loved one. The first Christmas after a divorce or a relationship breakup. Uh, all the Christmases after those events. Uh, Christmas time for those who are struggling uh, with a very debilitating medical diagnosis. A Christmas season for those who are facing hardship in life that they really can't even share with anybody else. On and on we could go. Loneliness is painful. And it's here among us. And we have to name it. Let me ask you a question. Do you suppose that Mary, the mother of Jesus, experienced loneliness when she found out she was expecting? Of course she did. Teenage girl, unmarried, unexpected pregnancy. She's told by an angel that the Holy Spirit is the source of the new life inside of her. See how that story goes over when she tries to tell loved ones and friends. Loneliness? Loneliness. Yeah, I'm convinced that we have so sanitized and romanticized Mary's story all through the years that we don't even get its starkness and its shock anymore. Uh, We have sung about her and we have done Christmas pageants and we've preached and taught and we've we've talked about her so much that, that we've smooth it all over, because we know how the story ends. We have the advantage of hundreds and hundreds of years to look at the perspective of history and to say, Mary, it's a good thing. It's going to be okay. But Mary didn't know that. Mary was living this in real time. She didn't have the advantage of looking down and and seeing how all of this was going to happen. Mary didn't know that people were going to sing songs about her, that people were going to name hospitals after her, and towns after her. Mary didn't know that, that there were going to be nativity scenes and she was going to be a little figurine at the center of every nativity scene. Mary didn't know. We sing every Christmas, Mary, did you know? And Mary shouts back at us, thank you very much. No, I did not know. I had no idea. Because from my vantage point, it looked pretty stark and pretty hopeless. And I was all alone. Teenage girl, Pregnant, unexpectedly, no earthly explanation. Our partners at Pregnancy Help Center here in town could probably tell us stories about the loneliness of an unexpected pregnancy, especially a teenage girl in our kind of culture or any kind of culture. But I want to push this a little bit and I want to ask Was Mary really alone? Because after all, uh, Scripture says that an angel, the passage just before the section that I read, uh, an angel came and announced to her that, that that'd be pretty comforting. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That would be pretty comforting. But Mary may have been like the little child who said, Mommy, I want somebody with skin on him. You know, it's nice to have spiritual help. It's nice to have, as one of the children said very astutely here this morning, uh, invisible help. But what about the times that we need somebody with skin on them to see them? Well, Mary was very resourceful. I I take her to be a very spunky, 
very, 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 very uh, energetic and courageous young woman because she decided she was going to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was carrying the one, the baby who would be known as John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. She was farther along in her pregnancy. But Mary said, I'm going to go visit my cousin. Now, if you take out a Bible map from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea, rough terrain, at best an average of 80 miles. How does a, a, a young, newly pregnant teenage girl get all that way? Walking? A burrow? We don't know. But she was tenacious. She said, I'm going to go visit my my cousin. And so she went those 80 miles. Now, I want to say for the record, I've never been pregnant. And some of you are getting out your phones and you're writing that down and sending it to the news, right? I've never been pregnant. But I've observed a lot of people who are expecting, and I've noticed this, that women who are expecting like to get together and sit in a corner and kind of talk about it. At baby showers, in Sunday school classes, they talk about, you know, all that girl stuff. And, uh, well, when are you due? And, you know, how's the morning sickness? And all those things. And it had to be really, really special for Elizabeth and Mary to be together and not feel so alone, but to be able to connect in a very frightening time to experience this, this deep connection. Now, there's this fascinating uh, account that we know nowhere else in Scripture where Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist, he would later be called, uh, looks at Mary, who's carrying the Messiah inside of her, and the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps. Some of you expectant moms know about babies leaping, right? The baby leaps. For joy. And as if the John the Baptist is inside his mama's womb, poking his, the inside of his mama's stomach, saying, that's the Messiah, that's the Messiah. Kind of an amazing picture, isn't it? The fact that John was an in vitro prophet. There you go, there's some trivia for a Christmas meal. You can say, did you know there was an in vitro prophet? And his name was John. And you, people are going to think, you're so smart. Well, here's another bit of trivia. Elizabeth was the first human being to call Jesus Lord. Because in verse 43, she says to Mary, Who am I? How am I counted worthy? That the mother of my Lord would come visit me. Wow. They were connecting. And Mary didn't feel quite so lonely after that because Elizabeth blessed her and it was a rich time. So what do you make of all of this? This, uh, this loneliness and then the attempt at connecting. Well, here's one, here's one thing to make of it. This story makes a strong case for family in our times of loneliness. When we are lonely... We need to reach out to family. When we are hurting and we're feeling all alone and isolated, we need to initiate reaching out to biological family, extended family. But the story is and the truth is that 
biological family cannot always be there. That's why there's loneliness even here in the sanctuary this morning. Sometimes we cannot count on our family in those seasons because uh, we're separated by death. Sometimes, like Mary and Elizabeth, we're separated by distance. Or sometimes we can't count on family because we're separated by disappointment. Family members have failed us, or we failed them. And there's disappointment and there's friction in the relationship. So what do we do? We see, this scripture also makes a case, not only for biological family, this scripture makes a case for the church. This scripture makes a case for the family of faith. It makes a case saying that God's intention was, and is, the answer to loneliness is the church. It's God's plan. Now, whether the church lives into that, that's another story, but God's design is that nobody be lonely because there is the church. There is the relationship. Now, Mary learned about this. When Jesus was born, grew up in his early 30s, he started his public ministry. One day, Mary and her other sons needed to talk to Jesus about something important. Maybe it was family finances. Maybe it was some family plans they needed to make. And Mary goes and Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. You can read about this in Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21. And she says to the crowd, tell Jesus we need to see him. And Jesus sent a message back, lovingly but firmly. And he said to his mother, my family is made up of those who do God's will. In other words, mom... There's a family bigger than biological family. And I'm working in that now. I still love you. But the family is bigger than biological. Later on, after Jesus was crucified, after he was raised from the dead, after he ascended back to heaven, you can read in Acts 1.14 where the early embryo church is in the upper room waiting for the explosive power of the Holy Spirit. 120 people gathered, and among them is Mary, the other brothers of Jesus, and then her larger family, the church. Because Mary had discovered that biological family is wonderful, draw them near in the time of loneliness, but when you cannot have biological family, you reach out to the family of faith. And she learned that, yes, blood is thicker than water, but it's not just family blood, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that binds us together and heals our loneliness, that cures the pain of being alone. God's design is that the church be the cure to loneliness when our family systems don't always work, and even when they do. Years ago, there was a a study that was carried out uh, studying the economics of nations and how, uh, what the correlation was between the economic success of a country and that country's mental and physical health. They studied a lot of the, the countries of the world. And you know what they discovered? That the wealthiest nations were the unhappiest. The wealthiest countries, including the United States, had the most loneliness the most depression, the highest anxiety. Go figure. And that led Shane Claiborne to say in one of his books, we are the richest 
and most miserable people in the world. He goes on to say that we have settled for a lonely world of independence and riches when we could all experience the fullness of life in community and interdependence. We've chosen independence and riches when what we could have is the fullness of interdependence and community. And he closes by saying community is what we are created for. We are created for relationships. We are created for connections. We are created to belong to one another and to God. And the only cure to loneliness is to name that and acknowledge it and to be there for each other. The late Henry Nowen uh, used to have some Van Gogh prints, some, some prints of some Van Gogh paintings behind his desk, framed. And one of the framed paintings uh, was a, a painting of sunflowers. And Van Gogh liked to tell visitors who would comment on the paintings. He said, you know, if you look closely, the individual sunflowers are not very pretty. They're kind of bedraggled and, and sort of uh, plain and uh, not much to look at, kind of miserable. But he said, when you look at them, when you step back and look at the bouquet in the painting, when you look at all of them together, they're beautiful. They're attractive. They're something different. Because you don't look at them just one. You look at the bouquet. And the story of the church is that individually we're all pretty miserable. We're all pretty plain. We're all pretty needy. We're all a mess. But you put us together in the bouquet of the church. You put us together in the bouquet of the family. And we're not miserable anymore. And we're, we're quite attractive. Because we're something more than we were individually. How are you going to survive a lonely Christmas day? You're going to survive that Christmas day carried on the ancient promises of Israel. You're going to survive because you're going to be buoyed and carried by the ancient promises of Scripture. And you're going to be carried and buoyed by those because through the Holy Spirit they become up to date and brand new and fresh every day. You will survive because you are not living by yourself. You are living in the mystical body of the church and you are a part of something greater than your individual pain and loneliness. And remember the song we sang earlier in worship. The favorite name for Jesus during this Advent season. Emmanuel. God with us. Can you think of a more helpful word, a more helpful name for Jesus to address our loneliness than Emmanuel, God with us. Say that out loud with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Say it again. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.